Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. Hello, beautiful people. Hello. That's my line. (laughs) Just trying to fit in. Today, I am talking with a good friend of mine, Chuck, and his beautiful wife, Liz. And they're going to be open and honest, and they're going to tell their story about addiction. Chuck, I'm so happy you're here to talk about your story, because I know it's going to help someone else that could be going through the same exact thing. I mean, it starts like any other one that's alcoholism or addiction and it was early in life and then you know it gets progressively worse and um it really it seemed to take off right around the time that i was getting married you know i took myself a nice little hostage and liz and she just kind of rode the horrible storm well you know a 12-step program that's what we do we share our stories and hope to maybe draw people that there is hope or let people know that there is hope and um, that things will change and turn around for the good if they can just stop drinking and gambling and snorting cocaine. Exactly. Now, when did this start? It started when I was a kid and, you know, 14, high school years, and it just got progressively worse as it always does. And then, I, you know, the beer was the one thing, and then I would, you know, then I found cocaine, which allowed me to drink longer. And then I was in the bars, and then when you're in the bars, you need something to do. I'd play the poker machines, and it would be paycheck after paycheck. And it really didn't bother me because my dad was... um, you know, very supportive, and he took care of all my bills and everything else. So it was like it was just a it was just too easy for me to just get wrapped up in it. The thing was, is the I guess when it really got bad is uh, well, Liz and I started dating in. 2002, she was my next door neighbor. She's eight years younger than me. <laughs> Woo, sugar daddy. <laughs> she thought, but <laughs> I was pouring all the sugar out down in the bar. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. So they, uh, you know, um, we were dating and everything was, you know, it, it was kind of okay because we were both drinking. I was not kind of using as much cocaine or doing as much gambling. I was spending a lot of time with her and we were having fun. It was fun. We partied together. So that wasn't like a, a huge deal. Not right. a lot of responsibility. Just work, some school, and just kind of partied did, together. Yeah. And did was, you notice anything, though, Liz? I noticed here or there that he would act strange or, you know, weird things would happen, but I, I didn't know, like, my mom was a drug and alcohol counselor growing up, so she talked to us a lot about addiction and drugs, but I didn't really have any firsthand experiences with people doing stuff like that other than, you know, like, people would smoke weed or pop some pills here or there, but it wasn't, right. you know, to where he would take it. So how did, like, so you started dating and everything was good. Were you hiding things from her? 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that was a stupid question, wasn't it? <laughs> I was, um, I, like I say it all the time, like when I did finally put it down, I mean, I realized that she probably only got a, a half a percent of the truth. Like 99 and a half percent of the time I was lying about something all the time. And um, it's pretty unfair for her <laughs> to um, not know where I'm at or what I'm doing. And it probably seems like I'm maybe somewhere else. I wasn't, but it was just as bad for the family, you know, that we were starting. <laughs> right. And she's worried. Like, every, you know, your family, everybody's worried about you because they don't know where you are, if something could have happened to you. So I feel like that, you know, Liz has been a rock through this. And, you know, I, I just give you a lot of credit, Liz. I mean, when did you finally say, you know what, I'm out? Um, It's kind of a funny story, but a sad story. Um, I had my third kid and I was... You know, I had to, I worked downtown at the time, and we lived up on Mount Washington because we had lost our previous house. We got foreclosed on. We got foreclosed on in our previous house. Now, what was that from? We didn't have any money because it was all being spent on his addiction. When my dad, <clears throat> when my dad passed away, I always say that I, you know, I spent money on the renovations of the house in Carrick, and I spent money on. Um, an engagement ring and some things for whatever for the wedding, but the rest I just blew. <laughs> oh, it was a good, but, it was a good chunk of change. But, oh, wow. So it was, yeah. I mean, pretty much over four hundred thousand dollars in three years. But the point of it was, is well, I was um, we got foreclosed on in Carrick, but when we got married, I wanted to tell the wedding story just because. So I jumped too far ahead. No, that's okay. Well, we can jump back okay, to that. Yeah, because that's the thing. That you were, we went. I, and that, maybe that was me because I was asking the questions. But you went from when you were younger and you guys started dating, and then you know this is before you got married. So I, I wanted to ask Liz real quick. Did you know he had this addiction before you married? Um, no. Um, I knew he had the drinking. I guess I. I guess I didn't. I didn't know it was a full blown addiction. I knew that he had dabbled and he drank a lot, but it wasn't constant. And we would have periods where I called them honeymoon periods, you know, like he would mess up really bad. And then we would have like two or three weeks of him just behaving really good and treating me really good and everything was fine. And then it would happen again. There were little things here or there mm -hmm. that, like I said, he would act weird and I couldn't really put my finger on it, you know, and... You I remember love you love him. You love him, so you look past things. Right. And he was a lot of fun too. You know, we had a lot oh, of fun yeah. together. Everybody everybody um, loves Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember there was one incident we're in a bar, this is before we were married, and we're hanging out and we just had a bunch of friends up there and we're drinking and I was talking to him and I'm shorter than him. I look up and he has like all this white dust coming out of his nose and I'm like, What the hell heck is that? No, um, that no, talk oh, okay. about it. We're I said, what what is it. that? And he was like, What do you mean? I said, You have all this dust coming he's like, Oh, it's drywall dust. I'm like when were you around drywall dust? I would have totally you know, fell for that too. Just, uh, well, and I'm then naive. you know the place that we're hanging out. There was a lot of in and out of the bathroom, and I I knew what it was. You know, after he tried to say it was drywall dust, because I know like when you really around drywall dust that you'd be snorting it up your nose. I know. You know, so that was that was probably one of the first times that I caught on that he dabbled a little bit here or there. But right. like I said, it wasn't constant. And I was young. I was only 22, 23 yeah. at the time. So, you know, I just kind of looked past it. Well, I mean, so Chuck, to bring us back to, okay, so you were dating and things happened. Now you want to marry her. 
Right. I, I mean, the thing that probably kept me from getting married before was I didn't have money to buy a ring or to buy anything or to do anything. So when I had the opportunity, we <clears throat> we. You know, I asked her to marry me, and thank God she did. Um, as she later find out, but like, I mean, I was when my dad died and left that money. The things that I like to do are very expensive: drinking, drugging, and you know, cocaine and gambling. And it was that's where. And then I took a loan out when they were giving those loans away in '08. You know, that's how I mortgaged the house. It was paid off. We had a paid off house we were living in. Oh, nice. And so, so at the wedding day, the, before the wedding, she asked. We had a wedding with 450 people. Oh, wow. Um, it was just huge, and and she's going to probably punch me throughout this story, but what happened was... a sore subject still. That's one thing I haven't really ever gotten over. Oh, honey, I'm <laughs> sorry. But you know what? Life uh, goes on. I'm sure it's happened to other people, too. The, the, it's like, you know, we talk about it. It was like, you know, full scumbag, you know, because the only thing that ever mattered was me and how much fun I could have or how much... Make it, people laugh. Make or, people yeah. laugh, be the this, be the that, and center of attention, whatever, because I am self-centered. It, but it's yeah. like, you know, uh, she said, please don't drink before the wedding. And I said, not Just a problem. Not a problem. I got you. And uh, not only did we start drinking at my buddy's house while we were getting ready, then we started doing the cocaine. And then oh, we shoot. went to the church. And me and my best man were in the priest's office, and we're doing drugs off uh, his desk. In the <laughs> oh gosh, it was and a- then when I showed up on the altar, I am an emotional person. Everybody sees it. I wear them on my sleeve, so she knew that something was up because I was like totally stone faced on the altar, and she knew what. Uh, and all of you that know Chuck know that he has these really little eyes, and his <laughs> eyes were like the size of quarters that day. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then as we make it to the wedding, you know, we get there. She's not saying anything, so I don't know if she's any wiser, but she is apparently. But we always think we're putting it past everybody. But she said, um, she said, I'm going to go take my bustle off my dress and I will be back. Yeah, pull the the bustle in. Yeah. So we could dance and eat, you know, I didn't write. She said, no, we'll go eat. I said, okay. Well, dinner was ready. I went up and ate and went in the bathroom or outside to smoke and she came back from her dress and she had to eat by herself and then walked around 45 tables of 10 people apiece thanking everybody for coming while I was off partying. Wow. For you guys to even talk about that and that's a hard thing because that's I always say it's the bride's day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That was Chuck's day. He acknowledges it now. He does. He does. uh, You know. I admit, and the reason I talk about it is to let me know how bad it can be and how the horrible things that I can do to the person who means the most, you know. And it's like, it was, all, like she said, it was from after that, it was like, you know, we go on our honeymoon. I spent $3,000 in the casino. She wasn't feeling well. She was up laying down, went up in the safe, stole the debit card, gambled away $3,000. Oh, wow. Like she just was, um, she was in it. Right from the beginning, she was up against it because it just got worse and worse. Yeah. Because once the money was gone, then I started living like that paycheck to paycheck. And, like, people would live paycheck to paycheck. And I get it if you're paying your bills. But um, I'd live paycheck to about 930 that night. We had a child in those. We got married in 06, had our first son in 07, our second son in 2011. And our daughter was born in 2012. And electric or gas or cable or something, water, was always getting, was always getting shut off. Because I didn't bring any money home. I made it, just didn't bring it home. Liz, so when did you finally feel that 
okay, he's not going to change, or I need to do something. He took the trash out, and this is a true story. It's kind of funny, but he he took the trash out one night, literally took said he's taking the trash to the curb, and he didn't come home. And the next morning, I had to go to work. I worked downtown. We lived in Mount Washington. I had to take the tea and then the trolley in. So it was in the winter. It was pretty cold. It was like a ice rain kind of thing. And I remember um, it was time for me to leave for work, and he wasn't home. So, of course, I had to call my mom, and I was crying. And she came. Didn't go to her job. She came um, up to watch the kids. Sacrifices. So I could go to work. And I walked up to the incline and I remember just crying the whole way and I just decided like I can't do this anymore and that was I came home and I spent the day calling everybody and telling everybody what's been going on because there was a lot of people that weren't I spent a lot of it hiding like trying to hide it from people because I was embarrassed about what was going on too I get Um, it I get it and I just spent that night calling everybody and saying I'm leaving them I'm done yeah. You know, my parents at that point bought a house out in Bethel Park, and I was going to take the kids and go there with them and start over. She's a quitter. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> you better get your... You know darn well she's a tough cookie. You, now, you better tell us, how did you know? You said, you know what? I've got this beautiful wife. I've got these beautiful children. How did you turn that around? How did you... Because how do you... You can't quit cold turkey, right? Like, you just... Well, where were you at whenever I was walking to work That's, that morning? I mean, the story all jives in because it was it was Good Friday of 2013. So I think it was March 29th was the day. And I left where I was all night long, and I was sitting in the parking lot, and I watched her walk to work in that rain. I was crying. I was like... Oh, my God, you're going to make me cry. Mostly for myself because, like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Like she, a lot of trouble. She said so many times over and over again, "Do it one more time. Don't do it one more time." Yeah, I mean, do it one more time. I'm going. Do it one more time. I'm leaving. Do it one more time. I'm leaving. And it never happened. This time, I just something in my gut told me that this was it. If I don't do something, and I didn't want to live like that because every time I, every time I blew it up, like she said, we'd have honeymoon periods. It would be good, and then I would blow it up and burn it down again. It's almost like, you know, is it this time? Is it this time? It's almost like, you know, let's see if this fire fire system extinguisher system works. Right. So burn the house down to see if it works, and that's yeah. what it would happen. But anyway, they... You were um, testing her. Like, you were showering her with nice things or going out to dinner, and then all of a sudden it was like, boom. At, at this point, though, the honeymoon phases were getting... Smaller. Smaller, like less and less, you know. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like three weeks, it was now like a day or two. It wasn't the three week you period. Been it was grateful. <laughs> yeah, all, right. right. <laughs> that I even had a day or two. I should have just been grateful for yeah, that. Yeah, right. Yeah, Liz, this right. story's turning around I'm, a little uh, too. <laughs> um, I, I just said, so I, it was the, just a funny story I always tell when I'm speaking at schools or whatever. I said, you know, I called her mom, who was in drug and alcohol counseling, and I said, I think I need to go to rehab. She goes, yeah, me too. I was like, you need to go to rehab? <laughs> she's like, no, dumb. It's about time she's probably said Right. right. Um, so she's like, I'll be back. I have the kids. I'll be back. So I went to the house, and I got nasty with my mom because Liz told my mom, who just thought I was the most unlucky Irishman, which doesn't make any sense. She's so naive, well, naive I guess, but didn't want to believe that her son was right. a drug Nobody addict. Right, wants to believe that. Like, she always, like, she was one of the people, you know, oh, I spent all of our money on bills, and now we only have like 
60 bucks to get through the week. Well, you know, do you need like what, three, five hundred dollars? And she would just throw me money oh. and then I would spend that too and yeah. not give it to what we needed. You're her son. Right. So she said, Why are you not sitting in a rehab facility as we speak? And then I'd use some F words at her. And um, I've never done that before and I haven't done it since. I was at a breaking point and I didn't know what to do or how it was going to happen. <laughs> we called rehabs. And um, I made an appointment for one, and it was um, they couldn't get me until Tuesday. And really, there's no like, there's no that you can't just stop with what I was doing. You know, I didn't have any chemical hooks in me that I had to be weaned off anything. So I just didn't do anything for three days. Say my sobriety date is March 30th of 2013. Hopefully, next month we'll celebrate nine years. Mm -hmm. Is that nine nine years? Mm -hmm. That's terrific. In those nine years. I've learned a lot. Um, I went to rehab, and I didn't know. I thought I was just going to put a Band-Aid on the whole situation. She was going to get over it, and I was going to try to do better. But there is no trying with me. If I'm starting to drink, it just takes off. I make really bad decisions constantly. And I, they say that alcoholism or addiction is a fear-driven disease, and I had a huge fear of um, failing as a father and as a husband. So... I had to do whatever it took. See, this this is terrific. What a great story. Now, I want you to also tell our listeners, Chuck, what are you doing in your profession now? I work for a company that we, WRS, it's Work Rehabilitation Specialists, and the things we put out are their DME, which is Durable Medical Equipment, and ours is Cold Compression Therapy. It the big. I mean, it's huge. When he asked me about it, he had no clue about the fact of addiction. But the thing with these machines is it'll be, it's how the body heals post-surgery. Cold for the swelling, compression to keep the blood flowing. And the biggest thing it does, it alleviates a lot of pain. We get people off the opiates faster. And you're talking to other people that have addiction? Oh, oh that job. Yes. Oh, you can do. <laughs> um, I, I do. I the like... the, 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 um, I might not. I do work part-time at the facility where I went and got sober. What made you go there? When I was in there, I was like, I want to be one of those guys. Yeah, what made you go there? Up to Greenbrier? Yeah. I just heard it. It sounded familiar. And when I read it in the phone book, she made me look it up in the phone book. For if you have any young listeners, a phone book used to be these big white pages with everybody's number in it. Nobody knows a phone book. In this case, the yellow one. Yeah. Google. (laughs) Right? But, um... Yeah, so uh, I just heard of it, you know, I've heard the name before on commercials or whatever, so that's why I chose there. Chose to work there was just because I wanted to do that. I set a goal. You had to have two years sober to work there, and you have to be working a 12-step program and doing things like that. I know we're not supposed to mention that, keep it anonymous, but without it, my life's no good. Right. And what do you say to people that you, you seem like, like, hey, this is my story, this was my story. What do you say to them? Stop being a scumbag. Think of somebody else. Put somebody else before you. We've, when we get to that point, we pretty much made everybody else sick, worse than we ever were, yeah. because they had to watch it. So now it's time to do things for other people. Right. And you are definitely a counselor because you've helped other people that I know just by talking to them. Because I think when anything you go through in life, that when you feel like you're hitting rock bottom and you can get yourself back up and motivate other people, and, you know, that's that's a strong trait to have. And I'm so blessed that you have that and that you're a part of my circle of friends. <laughs> and Liz, tell us, uh, so are you proud of him? Are you, can you believe you're sitting here today, everything has changed or has been to the better? No. 
whenever we dropped him off at me, his sister, and my mom drove him out to rehab and dropped him off. We all went to breakfast that morning. We dropped him off. And I, I'm not, like, an emotional person. I really don't cry a lot. Or um, I remember just sitting in the backseat crying because I really thought that he's going to fail. He's not going to do it. This is just going to be another quick fix. And I'm going to be a single mom of three raising my kids, living with my parents. Like, I really thought that that's where my life was headed. Yeah. And I was sad. I did not think that it would last this long. What made you think that, you know what, he's turning around. Priority now. Whenever we went to go see him a couple weeks in, he just really bought into it, and he was really excited about it. And um, I remember we went to the one family night, and he was so excited. He made me a collage of all these pictures that he cut out of a, a magazine. And, um you're so crafty. <laughs> he, made, he made me a collage of all these things um, that he wished he could have made in my life better. And Gosh. he just really seemed to be a different person and just really wanted and change. I love you guys. You guys, seriously, you're inspiring. I mean, you guys went from something so horrific, and a lot of people don't get out of it, would you say, Chuck? What what kind of words of wisdom could you tell somebody that's listening right now that may have somebody in their family or maybe going through the same thing? Just keep battling. Just keep fighting. I mean, no matter what, it's... First of all, you're worth it. You know, you, the addict, or, you know, you're worth it. But the people around you, your family, I mean, even if you're not married or whatever, it's it says it everywhere. And I mean, I don't want to go into the Bible, but everywhere in the Bible, it's about other people. You know what I mean? It's how we can be of service to somebody else. You know what I mean? How can we make somebody else's life better or easier? Right. That's what I try to do these days. And yeah. I think I do it a lot better than I used to. I still have tendencies that I, you know, my anger or things like that, but working on it again and it's getting a little better i mean it's only been nine years <laughs> yeah it hey. took it took me 40 to stop drinking so. hey you're on the right path and nobody's perfect i mean let's be honest nobody's everybody has something that maybe they're addicted to or just they have these things but you're right put somebody else first you know i mean just anybody don't always think it's me 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 it's all about me because that's what life's not about anymore and just the way you said it, Jenny, it was just like, if I can do something for somebody else, then like if they say, or if, you know, if it's her, thanks, honey, I really, you know, I really appreciate you doing that for me, or thanks, dad, you know, yeah. you know, those types of things make me feel better than any drink or drug I've ever had. Oh, I love it. That's love just, it. you know, that's what it's all about is, you know, being together and happy. You two are so, if you start making out, I'm going to leave. Okay? No, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's a different podcast <laughs> with video. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have enjoyed this conversation, and I know it was a tough one for both of you to bring up some sore things that you're both hurting inside. But as the years go by, and I think maybe there should be another wedding. I'm just saying. He brings that up often, and I always say it'll never happen because I'll never look like that again. It doesn't matter what you look like, honey. That's what I said. 
Beautiful. <laughs> you are beautiful. Unless I can fit into my wedding dress again, it's not going to happen. No, don't do that. We're, our bodies change so much. I want to see you guys get married at the beach. You could be up at Marine State Park. I don't care. I just wanted to be where Sand is. <laughs> I'm in. I don't know. See, I she might say no. She might say no. Uh, yeah, challenge for Dr. Wanda. Yeah. Get me back in my wedding dress. There you go, Dr. Tony. We'll get her put, back in the wedding yeah, we'll dress. Put it on, uh, we'll put it on all the uh, social medias that you can. This is a new contest. I love talking to you guys. This was so wonderful. I just appreciate you guys coming on and really just being honest because I really think it's going to help somebody else. Any couples or families or brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, anybody that's going through addiction and overcoming it, basically. But like you said, every day is a struggle. The struggle, uh, the struggle to be a better person. It's every day because I always fall back on something that I used to do. I don't drink or do any of that anymore, but it's like the my behaviors. new solution, my anger, my what? Your be- behaviors. Your yeah, like addict behaviors still yes. pop up. As long as they don't pop up as much as they're not popping up, then I'm doing better. So I'm just going to keep trying to be better. Exactly. I don't have any behaviors that, you know, weren't changed. So we'll you're talk, perfect. We'll talk about that on another podcast. Liz, the, the procrastinator. perfect wife. <laughs> procrastinator. Procrastinator. Oh, thanks, guys. This you was were, another episode. Oh, did you want to say something? Yes, I do. Okay. We, um, we're very proud of you, Jenny D. Oh, God. We love yes, the awesome. show. We love yeah. the show. It's, you know what? This is so nice. And I just bring in people together and talking about issues that nobody wants to talk about. I mean, I know Chuck, like there are people out there that are hiding their addiction to their loved ones. And I feel like I hope this brings out the best in them to know, you know what? Your life's not over. You can begin at any time. And it can be way better than you had ever dreamed. That's right. Look how happy you two are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You two say goodbye to the listeners. Bye. Goodbye, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't say hello, beautiful people. (laughs) Goodbye, beautiful people. (laughs) This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers, or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website, so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.